Girlfriends, episode number 46. Don't let the past hold you back. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another show. I'm really happy that you're here. You're joining me for another week of the Girlfriends Podcast. It always makes me so happy that we have this time together each week, and this week is no different. And this week, I think probably you feel the same. Maybe you're still in um, a hangover phase from the election not just from lack of sleep that night. I don't know. Did you stay up and watch the results? I was out of town for work. And so Dan and I were watching separately. And I did the grown up thing and went to bed because I had meetings early the next morning. Uh, But I woke up to my phone buzzing in the middle of the night because Dan wanted me to know about what was going on with the election. And uh, we talked for a little while. And um, when I went into work the next day, most people had stayed up all night to watch. And You know, part of this, separate from any politics, is just fascinating to me because I love our country. I am so proud to live in the United States where we have freedom of expression, we have democracy, we have a peaceful transition of power from one political party to another. We've seen it time and again in our history, and I'm hoping this time won't be any different, at least from um, an official standpoint. For sure, there are protesters and there are reports of violence and all of that. It's just heavy on my heart this week. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've mentioned to you before here on the podcast that I really, I was not pleased with the choices we had for candidates this election and choosing which of the evil (laughs) choices. It's not fun. It's not fun that we were put in that position. I, in the past, have voted for people that I felt great about voting for. Of course, everyone's flawed. Jesus isn't running in any election anytime soon. So every candidate, no matter what office or what election, is flawed. But I think we had two particularly flawed candidates this time around. And it was really, really disheartening. I had a pit in my stomach on election day. And it was about having to make that choice. And it was about knowing that other people were having to make that choice. And it was about worrying for our future. But I really did just put it in God's hands. And I want to encourage you to do the same. If you're still engaging on social media about politics, I did a little bit of that this past week, and I regretted it. People have lost their minds on both sides. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, any particular person, any particular political persuasion. I just feel like this, the divisiveness of this election has really brought out a lot of ugly in people. And I want to encourage us all to focus on unity. You may not like who got elected. You may be excited about who got elected. You you know, wherever you stand on Trump or Clinton or um, the protests that are going on, I hope that we can come together in recognizing 
the privilege, the great privilege that it is to live in the United States. And now I know some of my listeners are in Canada and other countries, and I'd love your feedback. I've heard from a few people um, in France. I actually had the opportunity to be interviewed for um, a daily Catholic newspaper in France, La Croix, which is published by the company which publishes Catholic Digest. So I have connections there, which was, uh, you know, people that I met when I was there this summer and this fall. Um, So it was interesting to hear outside perspectives and in large part, it's it's actually embarrassing that, that a lot of the important issues of this election weren't talked about because there was a focus on a lot of name-calling and pettiness and just ugliness. And in the aftermath of this, I'm hoping that America can step up and be a good example of that democracy in action and the, respecting the freedom of people to express themselves, to protest, um, certainly not condoning any kind of violence or, or racism. So I I would love to hear from you if you are still suffering from the effects of this election. I think a lot of us have in our personal life. I've heard from lots of people, um, one friend in particular who was having a really hard time talking with her sister who, you know, before the election, they were very close. They voted for different people and now they can't even see eye to eye, can't even recognize the things they have in common. You know what? If you loved somebody and they were important to you and you had a close relationship with them before the election, who cares who they voted for? That shouldn't affect your personal relationship with that person. And that's where I feel like we've lost our minds. And I'm not saying I'm immune to it. I understand that temptation to become angry. And really, we're, we're motivated often by a sense of righteousness and justice. And let me put this there, pride, huge amounts of pride. And I am including myself in this, that that's why we get defensive. That's why we engage in unhelpful ways on social media. That's why we feel like, oh, the internet needs to be corrected on this particular issue, or it needs my opinion, it needs my perspective, the world needs to be set right on this. Well, first of all, you're not even going to accomplish that. Even inside of conversations with friends and family, I find you largely don't change people's minds. And you certainly don't if you're arrogant and self-righteous in the way that you approach people. So like I said, I think it's important to focus on the things we have in common, focus on the things that we love and cherish in common about our country. And yeah, stand up for people who are defenseless. Stand up in the face of injustice, whether that would be racism or abortion or suppression of the freedom of expression, for sure. But don't let this garbage, and it is garbage. I mean, oh my gosh, the, the stuff that I see come through my newsfeed that I'm so tempted to respond to sometimes, and yet I know nothing good is going to come of that, whether it's in a conversation or it's through social media. Um, the, that, that level of intensity that we feel, I'm hopeful and I pray for myself personally, but also for others that we can channel that into something positive, a powerful force for the good. I am proud to be an American and I want to continue to be proud to be an American. And I think one of the things that we have in common is that pride that we have in our country, in our country's history, and in the value that we place on freedom and individual expression, um, but also in, in the value that we pace, place on a peaceful society with mutual respect. And while that seems sometimes hard inside of a political season, I'm hopeful that we can come to a place where we're recognizing those things that we have in common. So I hope you'll join me in praying for that. If you have some thoughts on the election or 
you want to share some of what your interactions have been like since the election, feel free to email me. I would love to hear from you. I love hearing other people's perspectives because it really is very helpful, I think, in broadening our minds. Because you know what? We all have a filter on the news we receive, I think more than ever, on um, what we see and read on social media, because it tends to be colored by those people who are like us and the people that we follow. And we end up getting our news only from certain news sources, and we might be fully missing part of the story. So anyway, I, I want to encourage you to join me in prayer for our country and prayer, especially for unity and peace. One hopeful thing is that uh, this upcoming next Sunday is the Feast of Christ the King, and what great timing that is. Because we all need that reminder. I don't care who you voted for, and it doesn't matter who happens to be wearing the title of President of the United States at any particular time. Jesus Christ is Lord and King, and that's where we all need to focus our energies. And before we get started on this week's topic, I also wanted to mention um, some speaking that I have coming up. Actually, this week, exciting and fun. I don't often do this, but I'm going to be speaking at my own parish, um, focused on my book, You're Worth It, talking with women about the ways in which Jesus loves them uniquely and intimately and limitlessly. I think we all need that reminder, and that's really what my book, You're Worth It, is about. So I'm going to be speaking at my parish this week, but then I'm also going to be, this upcoming week, I'm uh, traveling on Friday, and I'll be speaking on Saturday, November 19th, in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, for the Choice Wine Live Marriage Conference. There was another one in Phoenix back in October that I participated in, so I'm really excited about participating in this event, because that first one was really inspiring, really encouraging getting to meet and know couples from all different walks of life, but people that really are looking to nurture and grow in their relationship in their marriage, but as a result of that, also in their faith and in the nurturing of their faith lives as a family. I really was encouraged by the people that I met in Phoenix that attended this, and I'm hopeful to meet more people that are going to be the same in Jacksonville, Florida, this November 19th. If you're at all in that area, there's still time to register. I'll put a link in the show notes at daniellebean.com, and you can check it out. I would love to meet you there. I love meeting people who listen to the podcast in real life. So if you're going to be in Florida this coming weekend, November 19th, I'd love to meet you in Jacksonville at the Choice Wine Live Marriage Conference. I'm also still working on my retreat project, which I mentioned a little ways back. And I heard from a ton of you. This was so fun and so nice because I just put a little, you know, a, a couple of sentences in my podcast talking about what I was working on with a retreat, which is based on my book, You're Worth It, focused on teaching women, helping women to discover what their relationship with Jesus is meant to be and how life-changing that relationship can be for them. So um, I didn't have many of the details in place when I first started talking about it here on the podcast, but I have more in place now. If you want to learn more about this day retreat that I've designed for women and how you can go about bringing it to your area of the country, community of women in your area, you can go to daniellebean.com slash retreat, and you can get all the information and request further information from that page. Okay, so this week's topic, we're talking about the past and how not to let it hold you back. And I think this is an important topic because I think we all experience this in some way, shape, or form inside of our lives that our past colors our present, it colors our future. Sometimes we have a great deal of difficulty letting go of our past. And I want to talk about three different areas of our lives where our past threatens to hold us back. And those three ways are in our personal relationships, 
in our work and in our spiritual lives. So let's start with personal relationships and the ways in which your past might be holding you back. I think we all know this. You know, we talk about relationship baggage. And that is more than just in romantic relationships. For sure it is. And it's a strong presence inside of romantic relationships. If you had terrible relationships with men in your past, you're going to have difficulty having healthy relationships with men in your future. And that includes your history with your dad. You're growing up. If you didn't have a relationship with your dad, that colors what you expect from relationships with men. If you had a bad relationship with your dad, that colors your expectations of your relationships with men. Or if you had a good one. So I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to be able to (laughs) give you therapy and help walk you through these issues. But I hope to make you at least aware of what some of the ways are in which our past might be holding us back inside of personal relationships. So Let's talk about in your marriage. If you have a woundedness from your past, if you say you had um, a, a bad marriage, I know people who've, who've had this, that have had been in a bad marriage and it, it broke up in a terrible way and really hurt them, whether it was through um, their husband being unfaithful or um, mental health issues or abuse, whatever it was, um, I I know a few different friends who have moved on from bad marriages and have gotten the marriages annulled or, um, you know, moved on from those relationships. And then they still struggle inside of a new relationship. They still struggle inside of a new marriage, even with, you know, a great guy who doesn't have the same flaws of that uh, previous person they were with. We bring that baggage to our relationships. Sure, we do it in dramatic ways, like I just described from people who come from perhaps a broken marriage. But even in small ways, you know, um, think about your your dating life before you were married. And I know I experienced this much less so now that we've been married for 22 years. But early in our relationship as a married couple, my past and his past were very much a part of our everyday lives with regard to our dating relationships. Our pasts weren't great. You know, we all have sin and um, woundedness and rejection and abandonment and, you know, various levels of unpleasant situations in our past, especially with regard to our dating lives, with regard to romantic relationships. So we do bring that into our present relationships. Maybe you might struggle to trust your husband in a way that's not completely fair to him because of ways other men have betrayed you in the past. Or... Um, Maybe you have deep-seated insecurities based on emotional or verbal abuse in past relationships. I know that's a really, sadly, an all-too-common situation where young women in dating relationships allow themselves to be uh, emotionally or verbally abused, and it changes what you expect from people. It changes how you feel about yourself, which then affects your ability to have a healthy relationship with some other person in the future. So, I mean, I don't have solutions for this, and you're certainly not going to get a solution in, you know, a a podcast like this. But I think a big part of overcoming the kind of woundedness we might be bringing to our personal relationships is recognizing that they exist. That can be a first step for sure. And, you know, from there, you can decide how how you should deal with it. It might be that you need therapy. I don't think anyone should ever be ashamed of needing uh, therapy, needing some help with regard to their personal relationships. The people I know who seek out therapy are people who care deeply about their personal relationships, who love people a lot and truly value their relationships. 
there's nothing wrong with that. And um, I'm proud of them for seeking the help that they need to to make those relationships the best they can be and to get the most out of them. So it might be in a personal relationship with your spouse or in a romantic relationship, but it might be in a personal relationship with your own children or with your own family of origin. For sure, we all have different experiences growing up and we have different relationships with our parents, with our extended family, with our siblings. And sometimes there's conflict there. Sometimes there's a a sad, sad level of conflict that's been allowed to go on for years and that you don't address, that you don't talk about, that, you know, you see this person once or twice a year and you suffer through it and that's it. But I want to encourage you to think about your relationships, your personal relationships with your family growing up and with your family today, and think about what some of the connections might be between those. Are you able to be the parent that you want to be to your children, or is there some part of your history as a child having a relationship with your own parent that might be coloring that in a way that's hurting that current relationship? Like I said, I don't have solutions here, but I want to encourage you to think through what these relationships are like and how they might be colored by your past, how they might be affected by your past. And then seek a way, whether it's reaching out to that person or um, seeking professional help or talking to a priest or, um, you know, any number of ways that you might seek support. Even just talking about it with, with a close trusted friend or with your husband can be a great way to kind of work through some of these feelings that perhaps out of hurt, out of a a self-defense mechanism you suppressed. There may be feelings like that that you haven't dealt with, and they may be affecting your ability to be the mom that you want to be to your kids, the wife that you want to be to your husband, the friend you want to be to your friends, or even the daughter that you want to be to your mother. As we age, I find that our relationships with our parents become increasingly complicated. You know, when you're a kid, it's simple. Uh, you know, if you're in a reasonably healthy relationship with your parents, then they're they're the mom and dad and you're the kid and you do what they say and sometimes you have conflict and you resolve it and whatnot. But as we grow older, those roles shift and they change. And there's a lot of complex emotion there, I find for sure, as my own relationship with my mom and dad shifts, as my need shifts for what, what I need inside of that relationship with regard to support. I needed my mom so badly when I very first was starting out as a wife and as a mom. I don't need her. I'm putting quotation marks around that. Of course, I need my mom. But I don't, you know, I don't have that need to call her every day and, and check in and, and, you know, ask her, you know, a thousand questions about how to how to cook rice or whatever it was I was doing. And yet, she needs me and I do still need that relationship. And so how do you how do you handle that with regard to the you know the shifting of that relationship and the ways in which your expectations in the past might be setting you up in your current relationship in a way that maybe isn't fair to you, maybe isn't fair to your mom, maybe um maybe she needs you more than you needed her in the past and you got to find a way to kind of shift that relationship. You know, keeping in mind the the ways in which you interacted in the past. So anyway, in a general way with regard to personal relationships, I want to encourage you to take a look at your personal relationships and look at the ways in which your hurt, your woundedness, your mistakes from the past might be haunting your present and really hurting the relationships with people that you you know and love and care deeply about. The next way I want to talk about the past possibly interfering with your present and future is in our work. Now, 
you may not work outside the home, but we all work, you know, whether you're working as a mom, or you're you're working to run a household, or you're working as a volunteer, working in your community, in your parish, um, you know, or if you're working at an office job or working outside the home in some capacity. I think our past really does color our expectations of ourselves. It sets us up for success or failure inside of the work that we do every day. Do you want to be successful in the work you're accomplishing every day? Of course you do. We all do. But do you expect to be successful in the work that you're doing every day? Do you expect to achieve your goals? Or is there some niggling part in the back of your mind that's saying to yourself, you can't do this. Remember you screwed that thing up, you know, six years ago. You're going to mess this one up too. Or maybe you you messed up 20 years ago and you know your your inner voice is still holding that over your head like you can't expect success in any kind of work that you you accomplish think that through think through what your self talk is like pay attention to the way that you talk about yourself not not just out loud to to the people that are around you although pay attention to that too because the little jokes we make at our own expense and the things that we say like i'll never be able to run an organized household or um you know i'll i'll never get it together enough to accomplish x y or z whatever it might be that would be your goal in work Think about the way in which you tend to talk about yourself to other people, but then even more importantly, the way in which you think about yourself interiorly, because that's important to recognize. Is it positive? Are you expecting good things? Are you expecting success? Are you expecting to work hard and then see the results of that work? Is it neutral or is it negative? I think a lot of us fall into the habit of negative self-talk with regard to our work, Uh, whether it's that you have career goals or it's your goals as a parent or it's your goals as um, someone managing a household. I think a lot of us fall into habits of talking negatively to and about ourselves because of things that have happened in the past. There is no perfect person. You know, you want to meet somebody who's made big mistakes Go out and introduce yourself to any person on the street because we all have made big mistakes. We all have messed up things, big things, little things, important things, insignificant things. We all have mess ups. We all have embarrassing failures in our past of all different varieties. And the way to avoid failure is not to not live your life, is not to not set goals. That I think that sometimes out of a sense of kind of self-defense, we we set we set no goals at all for ourselves with regard to our work, or we set very small ones, or um, we set some, but we at the same time as setting them, we tell ourselves we'll never be able to achieve them. But you get to decide whether or not you're going to allow your failure in the past, which we all have, which is part of the process, which is part of being a human being, which is how you learn and grow and shift and change and find a path to success. Are you going to allow your past failures to haunt you and shape your future and make what your expectations are for yourself with regard to your work? Or are you going to be honest about the fact that we all have failures and that you can achieve whatever your goals are? As a parent, as a wife, as a worker outside your home, as an employee, as a business owner, whatever it is, whatever your goals are, I want to encourage you to look at the ways in which you talk to yourself. Maybe you have work goals that you haven't even dared to recognize. 
that you would things you would like to achieve with regard to your work that you haven't even dared to say to yourself because you're letting your past haunt you. You're letting things from your past, maybe even things people have said to you in the past, feedback you got from an employer, you know, feedback you got from your your own family growing up or whatever it is about what you can and can't do. I want to challenge you to challenge those things. I want to encourage you to look at what those assumptions are that you make about yourself, the things that you don't even dare to think all the way through with regard to what your goals might be with work that you're going to accomplish, and really just challenge them. Say, is that really a limit that I I have? Is that a reality? Or is that something that I'm just telling myself and I'm setting up limits that don't need to be there? So whatever your work goals are, I want to I want to encourage you to kind of examine them and look at them closely in that way. And then the third way in which I think our past threatens to hold us back is inside of our spiritual lives. Now, this I save for last because it really is the most important thing because it affects all those other things. If our relationship with God isn't right, nothing's going to be right. If you don't know your dignity and worth and what your goal is as human being, as woman, inside of God's eyes, then none of that other stuff is going to matter anyway. Personal relationships, work, whatever, it doesn't matter. You need to get right inside of your relationship with God. And this is one where I find a lot of us have wounds. A lot of us have past regrets, sins we've committed, bad relationships we've been in, mistakes that we've made, ways in which we've been victimized by other people's sinfulness or sinfulness in the world, shortcomings of all kinds that we've been the victims of. And I'm not saying this to encourage you to think about yourself as a victim. I'm actually saying this to empower you that to recognize the fact that you're not a victim of these things. You know, that you, you may have been victimized by some force of evil in the world. This is a, a terrible and broken world that we live in sometimes. And I think we all experience that face of evil. And we all can potentially be victimized by that whether it's through the sin of someone else or through our own sinfulness, our own bad choices, our our own failed relationships, our own failure to say yes to God, whether it's out of fear or insecurity or pride or some other temptation. We all have things in our past spiritually that are roadblocks to our relationship with God and the way in which it's meant to be. And if you have that, first of all, of course, that's what confession's for, right? That's where, you know, I've mentioned therapy. Well, uh, confession is not therapy, but confession is a way that you can get absolution for your past sins. And if you don't happen to be Catholic, um, you know, uh, confession isn't an option for somebody who isn't Catholic, but you might want to explore exactly what that means, what that sacrament is. Um, Because for me, it is the greatest sacrament that, that we have a need for as human beings. It's the most important one. And I'm so grateful to the church, for Jesus who established the church with these sacraments in place, who, who knew our needs. They're, you know, it's established because we're human, because we're flawed, because we're messed up, because we're going to fail to meet our own expectations with regard to our relationship with God, because we're going to fall short, because we're going to actively choose bad things. And I think a big thing is to be honest about the fact that we've had that sinfulness. And that's what is so beautiful about the sacrament of confession. If you're, if you're Catholic and you haven't been to confession in a long time, 
I want to encourage you to think about going this coming weekend or the next possible time that might be available to you because it is such an important part of healing our relationship with God. And the very first part is that opening of ourselves honestly to admitting what we've done that's wrong, admitting the choice that we made, however shameful and embarrassing and beneath us we feel it is, but that's the first step toward healing. You know, some 12-step programs talk about we're only as sick as our secrets, and I think that's so true. Sometimes in, you know, in our personal relationships for sure, but in our own relationship with God, in our own sinfulness, our own past, sometimes we have secrets, things we wouldn't want people to know that we've done in the past, mistakes we've made, bad things that we've done. And we I'm not telling you, you have to share them with people in your life. But I am telling you that if you have things that haunt you in that way, that affect your relationship with God, let me tell you, if they're, if they're unconfessed sins that you are still holding on to, they are affecting your relationship with God, whether about serious matters or not, if you are still holding on to the guilt of those things. Confession is where you can go and get cleansed of that. And now I know, I know personally, but also from talking to other people, that sometimes we struggle even after we've gotten to confession with letting go of the things that we feel guilty about from our past. And, you know, we we tend to put limits on God in a way. And and this is how I find it's helpful to think about it. If you've gone to confession and you've received that absolution, listening to those words, oh, it's such a washing over feeling of great relief, I find. It's so cleansing to just hear those words that your sins are forgiven. And I really believe it. You know, it's the voice of, of Jesus. It's not the priest we're going to talk to and meet in confession. The, the priest is standing in for, for Jesus in that sacrament. So, we're really hearing the words of Jesus himself releasing us from the burden of that sin because he's already paid the debt for it. He took on all of our sinfulness when he, he suffered his death on the cross. And we need to remember that inside of our relationship with him. Because imagine how bratty we're being if we reject God's mercy and love. And I know sometimes we do that out of a sense of unworthiness because we feel guilty and, and we have this shame about our sins, our sinful past. But don't listen to the voice inside your head because that's not the voice that comes from God if it's telling you that you're not worthy of love, if it's telling you that you're not worthy of God's love or that God's mercy and forgiveness has limits or you need to qualify somehow for it and you don't. I think we can overcome that by spending time in prayer. I know some people who inside of confession, whether they've committed this particular sin, you know, in the recent past or not, they they mention at the end of their confession, a sin that they've already confessed um, because they, they just, you know, it's a, it's actually, it's an extra little dose of humility inside of their confession. But I think it's also a reminder to them that that sin is forgiven in, in remembering it inside of this, this new confession, because we do hold on to that. We hold on to that and it becomes part of our identity if we're not careful. You know, the, it's Satan himself who tells us, when he's tempting us to sin, that sins are little and they don't matter and they're small and insignificant. But once we do commit the sins, he flips that all around, doesn't he? He flips around the voice in your head and all of a sudden they aren't little insignificant sins anymore. They're huge and you can't overcome them and God can't possibly forgive them and you can't possibly be worthy of anyone's love because you've done this terrible thing. So I think it's important to 
listen to the voice inside your head and ask yourself inside of your own spiritual relationship, inside of your own spiritual life, I want to encourage you to spend some time reflecting on God's mercy and love and whether you fully accept it or if you reject it out of a sense of unworthiness. Are you putting limits on God's love and mercy? Because no one has a right to do that. And you're wrong if you think there are limits to God's love and mercy. So I want to encourage you to examine your relationship with God and your approach to God and your approach to your own sinful past. We all have sins in our past. And I want to encourage you not to let it color your future, not to let it hold you back from the relationship that Jesus is desiring with you today because of that sense of guilt and that sense of sinfulness. I want to encourage you to bring it to confession, but also just reflect on it inside of your own prayer life, inside of your own prayer time, you know, during during the day, during the week, whenever you get some time for, um, you know, kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament or next time you're at Mass after receiving the Eucharist. Open your heart to Jesus and and ask Him to help you to know the ways in which He loves you and the ways in which you are forgiven of your past sins and ask Him for the help to let go of that. So those are the three ways that I wanted to talk about that sometimes I think we all tend to hold on to the past and let it hold us back from the joys and the satisfaction and the peace that we all want to find in our present and our future. So those three ways are in our personal relationships, in our work, and in our spiritual lives. If you have thoughts on this topic, I would love to hear from you. You can leave me voicemail at daniellebean.com. You can click the little tab that says leave voicemail, and it'll take you over to speakpipe.com where you can have 90 seconds. You don't need any special equipment. You can do it right from your computer or your phone and leave me a message that I could possibly share in a future podcast. Um, You could also good old-fashioned email danielle at daniellebean.com or we can connect through Voxer. You know I love to get your feedback that way. You can connect with me on Voxer through the link that is in the show notes for this episode at daniellebean.com. Hey girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. everyone. I am happy to have a special guest here with us today on Girlfriends. Mary Ellen Barrett is here on the show today. Mary Ellen Barrett is the home educating mother of eight children. She's a longtime columnist for the Long Island Catholic, as well as being a contributor to Seton Homeschool Magazine. She speaks at events around the country on topics related to homeschooling, Catholic family life, marriage, and bereavement. Mary Ellen lives with her husband of 23 years, their brood of children, and a large unruly dog in New York. She can be found blogging at maryellenbarrett.com. Hi, Mary Ellen. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here, Danielle. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, and you too. And we, we're getting to talk extra time because listeners don't know, we already recorded this once and um, it went it went into the ether. <laughs> my recording when, I, when my old um, Mac died. So, um, I'm really sorry to have to redo it, but I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to talk to you again. And I'm so glad you were patient with me and willing to do it again, because I just know even those who are not familiar with your work are going to love getting to know you here in this little bit that we share. Thanks. Thank you. And now it wasn't in your bio, but I want to be sure to mention you've recently started a homeschooling related business. What is that? It's a homeschool uh, consulting firm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anybody who's having trouble kind of figuring out what curriculum suits their family or 
what style of homeschooling they are or how to organize the work and or make transcripts and things like that, um, I can help them pull that together. That is wonderful. And you are just the person to do that with um, how many years of homeschooling experience do you have at this point? 16. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That adds up, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. And, and uh, you know, so many, I've had um, a special needs learner. I have a one with a learning disability. I've, I've homeschooled through all kinds of, you know, rough times here. So I have a, that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So people who are struggling with their homeschooling, I think I have enough experience to maybe help you. And if nothing else, just encourage you that you're doing the right thing. Exactly. And I think that's what anybody needs anyway, you know, any of us, especially I'm thinking of these new moms who are new to homeschooling and they dive in and do that thing that we all do in the beginning, which is drown ourselves with these high lofty ideals and kill ourselves when we fall short. And I hear from them sometimes, Mary Ellen, and I'm glad to have you to point them to now because I feel Mm. so inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, if anybody's not inadequate, Danielle, it is you. (laughs) Well, when it comes to homeschooling, I'm like, you know what? I never really wanted to do it. So I'm kind of a reluctant person for you to be talking to. But you're such a a real, I mean, you know, admitting that it's hard, but just a, a real voice of encouragement in the field of homeschooling. I appreciate that about you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's impossible, especially when you're new. I mean, it just is so overwhelming and you always are doubting yourself. And and I keep telling people, God must have placed this on your heart to do this because no sane person would actually want to do this. (laughs) Who would take that on? That's stupid. If God wants you to do it, he's going to give you what you need. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I found that we've gotten more comfortable in our own skin as we've gotten um, more homeschooling years under our belt. But then we've become more flexible. Some of our kids now go to school and, you know, kind of learning that kind of balance, learning to be okay with what your different kids' needs are. Because, yeah. you know, you you can think you've got it all figured out and then the next one comes along and he didn't read the manual. And uh, <laughs> this is not what our family does. I know. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Anyway, I love that real perspective that you bring. But also, you know, tempered with the encouragement, you can so do this. And um, with God's grace, all things are possible, including homeschooling, believe it or not. Believe it or not. <laughs> all right. Well, Mary Ellen, I want to um, get to our regular questions here that we ask of everybody who comes on Girlfriends. So let's get started with a triumph. Can you share um, a time when you first ever felt a sense of achievement or accomplishment in your work or in your personal life? Um, The first time I had, let's see, when I had my first child, my son Ryan, I was working for an investment bank and I stayed home. I I quit the job. I was doing really well. I was actually making more money than my husband and he kind of like, okay, we're going to do this. (laughs) And I started a writing business from my house business writing, which is incredibly boring and not very conducive to do with an infant because I was talking to people in Japan and in Europe and the hours were a little bit crazy. So I stopped doing that and I just started writing about things that I wanted to write about, which was like mommy life and school life and things like that Mm -hmm. and special needs because Ryan was autistic. And then somebody picked up on my blog, uh, 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 something I had written called, um, uh, night watch, which is, was about praying through the night when you're up with a baby, a sick baby mm-hmm. and brought it to the attention of, um, Rick Henshaw, who was at the time, the editor in chief of the Long Island Catholic. And he emailed me and asked me to be a columnist for the largest diocesan paper in the country at that wow. time. And I was like, Oh, I really can write. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
so yeah. excited. <laughs> it's real affirmation. Like, yes, I really felt like, oh, yes, I'm doing this. Yes, I, I guess I am a writer. And that was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was just really the, the best moment, that real affirmation that I wasn't just a mommy. I wasn't just a wife. I was somebody with um, a gift who could use it to help other people. I, I hope anyway. Absolutely. I think that is so true. And I, I love that it's, you know, such a, a simple thing that you were just, you had made that decision to stay home. Um, but then we're just still continuing with your creativity through your writing and that that found a home somewhere. I mean, I think, and, and that I can really relate to that feeling of, oh, I, I can do this, or I, I guess I am a writer. And I think whether you're a writer or not, we all have things in our lives that we want to identify with, maybe goals that we have. Um, it might even just be being a mom. I know I had moments like that, like, oh, hey, I am a mom. Like, yeah, I, can, I can do this, you know, and it, it feels so foreign in the beginning or you're, you're uncertain about where it's going to go. And so any of those labels that we give ourselves that as much as they can be fluid throughout your life, they really do have meaning for us. They have meaning yeah. for um, how you identify yourself and, you know, the kind of fulfillment you're going to find in your vocation. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And I, th- I encourage people to find those gifts and to find the creative outlet if you're a stay-at-home mom or even if you're a going out to work mom, if you just need something that's just you and, and your gift to give, mm-hmm. go for it. Just find the time. Make it make it happen. I don't think you ever regret those kind of leaps of faith. I don't think I don't- you do either. And I think it's so important to remember that, um, that because, you know, we're always talking about like balancing, like balance, but, um, you know, I think over the course of my lifetime so far that nothing's ever actually been in balance. Like, no. you know, it, yeah. it's a constant, you know, focusing your energies real hard and strong in one area and then real hard and strong in another area and keeping the, you know, the amount of time and energy you put into the things that are important to you, you know, within a reasonable balance. But the idea of balance, I think, is a crazy one. Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been off kilter for years. <laughs> I love that. That's what we all need to admit. We're off kilter. It's okay. Everybody is. And you know that when you say balance, you have this picture of this like serene person and all their priorities are in order. And, you know, especially for a working mom, that never, ever happens. It doesn't. And, you know, so, and I mean, I know you know this as much as anybody, especially um, with the work that you've done balancing with your, your homeschooling and your family life through the years that there, it's a, it's a matter of shifting your focus and yeah. you're, you're focusing on one thing and you have arrangements made for the other responsibilities you have during that time. Um, but I have found that it, I get the most peace and satisfaction when I recognize that, that I'm not going to be equally focused on all things at all times. That, that can never happen. No, it's an unattainable goal and people should just let that go and focus on what's important at the moment and try to make sure that all your responsibilities are covered and know that it's going to work out. And I think it all shakes out in the end. I really do. I think it does too. Stuff that we sweated in our early motherhood. I don't even want to say the embarrassing things that I would lie awake worrying about, but we've all been there and, and we can all laugh about it now, but there are people who are there right now. And I, I I think um, it's wonderful that you can be such a voice of encouragement for people who might be in that, that position right now, wondering what, what balance can possibly look like. All right, yeah, moving no on to, to the <laughs> to the more juicy a mistake. Um, I'd love it, Mary Ellen, if you would be real as you are and share with us about a mistake you once made, and what did you learn from that mistake? 
Oh, gosh. I think the biggest mistake I made um, early on in my motherhood was to just be so wound up about everything. And I think that's a fairly common mistake. Uh I was, um, Ryan was just, he was my first and he was home from the hospital, maybe three days. I don't, it was less than a week. And at that, at that time, it was kind of the drive-through deliveries where you were home in 24 hours after having given birth, mm-hmm. and which was just a stupid thing to do because so I had no idea what I was doing. Right. <laughs> just, you know, you're still kind of sick from this long delivery and you're just a, a complete mess. And so I'm, my mother, thank God, she was so wonderful. And she was there with me during the day and I was changing the baby and being a little boy, he peed into his own mouth. <laughs> And so I proceed to have this, I mean, a catastrophic meltdown where I'm sobbing and can't catch my breath because I was convinced he was going to die because I was a terrible mother and I let him pee in his own mouth. Obviously. It's all your fault. (laughs) And my mother was laughing at me because she's just so sympathetic. But I, I mean, that, that was a function of the hormones and being so tired. But I, I went through like my first three children where I was so uptight about everything I did with them and every little mistake I made. And I was so convinced that I was ruining their lives. And now like my eighth child, I barely pay attention to him because I'm so <laughs> relaxed and I'm like, he's going to be fine, you know, and he's a happy guy. And the older ones, of course, complain that he's so spoiled, but I wish I had it over, do over again and, and just relax and enjoy the first few kids so much more than being so paranoid about everything. Right. You know, they, they really do turn out just fine. You know, all these, you get all this advice from all these people and you're trying to do the right thing all the time. Relax and trust your instincts. Cause I was just terrible at that for so long. Right. It's a hard thing to do. It's that leap of faith you were talking about to trust yeah. your instincts, especially early on. And I think about that too. I think that's one of the gifts that I've really appreciated about having a larger than average size family is that you do get to enjoy some of your later kids in that more broken in state where you're not so uptight because I sometimes think about it like gosh what if I just had our first two and that was it for like toddler years or whatever around here which you know God makes all different kinds of families and calls us to different kinds of vocations some families do look like that but for me I thought what a loss that would have been for me that I never would have known that it doesn't have to be all uptight like that I'd be moving from one uptight phase to the next you know because I've been an uptight mom of teens when we were first dealing with any of that. And, you know, now young adulthood, I'm like, every single stage, I think we kind of go through that breaking in and figuring out and trying to, you know, get your feet on the ground and feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And I think now that I've done, you know, I have one in college, but I was so much more relaxed about her getting into college and doing things because my whole perspective had changed over the years. And and what with losing one of my children and stuff like things that things that matter are, are things that um that bind you together as a family, um, grow together in faith, things like getting into the right college. And, and those things are important. But they're not life or death. And, and if they don't go to this college, they'll go to that college, or maybe they'll skip college for a year and, and work on something else. You know, Mm -hmm. if they get an A or a B or a C, you know, these are not life threatening things and things can be made up and things can be changed and decisions can, can be uh, tweaked a little bit. But what's really important is um, just growing in your faith together and being together as a family and loving each other through all those hard times and, and relaxing and enjoying each other. You know, God gave us all those to each other as gifts. We may as well have fun, right? right? Relax. <laughs> so important and yet hard to remember. Now you mentioned losing Ryan and not everybody's going to be familiar with your story. I wonder if you might be willing to just share briefly a little bit about, about what, what happened with Ryan and the, the losing of a child. I mean, that's such a, I mean, 
mean, we could talk for an entire podcast about that, of course. Um, but you mentioned how it kind of framed your, your perspective in a new way with regard to your family life. Maybe you could just share a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Ryan um, was uh, 14 years old. He was autistic and he had um, epilepsy. And we had he had been seizure free for over a year. So we had been slowly weaning him off his medicine. And he came, you can't just stop seizure medicine. And so he was off it for um, probably about a month. And he went camping with his dad. And they, um, it's a father-son camp out they do every year. And they pray the office while they're there and they go to mass. And then they also do, you know, all the gross boy stuff that they do when they're camping. <laughs> and, and his father had um, told him he could go sit by the creek for a second. Now, he was 14. He was a very strong swimmer. My husband was an NCAA swimmer, so all my kids swim. And um, it was a, like a very shallow little creek. He said, go sit by the creek and eat. He had a snack with him. And I'll call you for evening prayer in a minute. And he had what was determined was he had a grand mal seizure and he fell into the creek and slipped into a culvert, which is like a big pipe. And so he was missing for overnight for a day. And um, he passed away um, due to the seizure and the drowning. So that was in August of 2009. And he was 14. He was my oldest. And it was just an awful, of course, you can imagine it's a horrible, horrible thing. Right. I remember living it online back yeah, then and yeah. just praying during, oh, that dark, Everybody dark was night. so kind about, yeah, everybody, I mean, so many people all over the world. That is one nice thing about the internet and Facebook and stuff is that people prayed us through that. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people were praying for us and that was so beautiful. And um, it did change my perspective on my family because like, when he was leaving for the camping trip, he was so excited. This was just his, his big thing. He loved this. And he, t- he runs out the door to go, are we ready? Yes. And, and he runs out the door and his father said, oh, come back and say goodbye to your mother. And I said, oh, no, leave him alone. He's fine. He's so happy. Mm-hmm. And I never got to say goodbye. Yeah, I never got a hug or anything. And that's just hard. And, and so it changes your perspective. Every moment is, is precious with them. And not to say that you shouldn't get angry or, or I mean, I was just screaming at somebody 10 minutes ago about their history work. <laughs> <laughs> It happens. <laughs> it happens. But um, so many things are so precious and so many things are not worth worrying about. So it really does change. My husband and I have a very different focus on our family since then. And and not that things aren't important and not that you shouldn't strive to be the best person you can be. And we're, we're not lax, but mm-hmm. we have a recognition of this is all very temporal. And, and what we're striving for isn't here. It's eternal. So yeah. we, we point the kids in that direction, hopefully, as, as often as possible. Right. And so that's a a beautiful gift that comes out of tremendous loss and tremendous pain. But isn't that what God does? I mean, you know, I think is and the way that you share um, your story, and people can check that out at maryellenbarrett.com. It's so inspiring and encouraging to people who even have not ever experienced that kind of loss. But just to be able to benefit from that experience in that it gives you that new perspective that a little bit of God's view, which is so hard for us here on earth to see. Suffering can be, uh, of course, it's awful, but it can be a real gift because it kind of tunes you into what Christ suffered on the cross for us and, and, and the comfort that like the Blessed Mother and the communion of saints and the people around you can give you. And it really kind of turns on an inner eye somehow and, and gives you a little bit more empathy toward what other people in the world are going through. Right, right. And I, that's one of the greatest gifts of our faith, I think, is the perspective it gives us on suffering because none of us is getting away without it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And it, it's not wasted. It just goes to toward your eternal life. 
life. It is, it's never wasted. Uh, God doesn't inflict suffering on us for no reason. He doesn't want us to suffer, but the suffering we endure, it, it, it helps us. It, it helps purify us, I hope. Absolutely. I couldn't get out of bed every day if it wasn't for that. Oh, honestly. I know. It would feel so worthless and so pointless that um, just to, you know, I, so that's one of the, the most beautiful gifts, I think, that that kind of perspective on suffering and the, the gift that it can be to ourselves and to others. So thank you for sharing that, Mary Ellen. I oh, think that's so welcome. beautiful. All right. One more question before we get to your lightning round. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received, Mary Ellen? Who gave it to you and how do you try to use it? Oh, it, again, my mom, who was laughing so heartlessly at me when my son peed in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me, um, my husband used to call her woman of all knowledge. You know, when we were having the babies one after the other, and I know you're familiar with that. And you feel sure. like you're never doing you're never getting sleep. You're never getting rest. You're never doing anything right. My mother told me that there was one perfect mother that existed and it wasn't me and it wasn't her <laughs> <laughs> and that I should lean on that perfect mother because no matter how hard I tried, it was not going to be perfect and just to relax. Mm-hmm. So I, that became like my calling card to, to, to pray the rosary every day and to really lean on our blessed mother. And it really has helped me through a lot of the suffering that we've had. And, and, you know, moms are great for advice. And I only hope I can give half as good advice to my girls when they have babies and my sons as my mom gave to me. And so it was just lean on the blessed mother because she's been there. She knows what you're going through and she'll pray you through it. It's a good reminder because you know what? I think we sometimes forget that because I I know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but at certain points in my motherhood, I felt so kind of jaded at the idea of Mary as the perfect mother just like oh please you know like (laughs) that's the last thing I need is to have that standard set up for me but it's not a standard that's set up for us she's she's perfect and yet she she calls us to you know model after her and yet she knows we're going to mess it up and that's why she's such a source of grace to us such a source of encouragement and love and that nurturing support that you only get from a mom that's right. Yeah. And I once went to confession and uh, the priest, uh, he was a lovely priest, but he said to me, you really should try to be more like the Blessed Mother. And I kind of wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, I would be reaching around the screen like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I can't get dinner on the table now. Right. I have to be holy on top of that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I did. I, I get what he, where he was going with that now with a little perspective, but I, I think his delivery was off. Yes. And it was so, you know, and my mother would be like, oh, what are you kidding? Come on. What you have to do is keep up with the laundry and get dinner on the table. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you need your, your real life mom here on earth to yeah. remind us of that. But Mary does that in concrete ways too, you know, and, and I found that, you know, sometimes I would be like, oh, you know, give me a break. Of course she was a perfect mother. She had one kid and he was divine. So, you know, like she doesn't know what I'm going through, but oh my gosh, Mary is a mother to us all. Imagine that. Imagine being mother to the the worst sinners in the world. And that's the kind of heartache that she knows. And that's the kind of, you know, grief and loss and disappointment that she knows. So whatever kind of mess in your motherhood you're going through, Mary gets it. She gets it and then some. So it's a really wonderful opportunity that you have to go and just lean on the Blessed Mother in those challenging moments in your own parenting. Yeah, absolutely. She's been a she's been a great comfort to me. I, I couldn't get through a day without her. Yeah, and don't you find that some of those those kind of rote prayers, especially like the Rosary, which is to Mary, that 
um, it that that really encourages us to just kind of be children ourselves that you know in their in simplicity and in their repetition that it, it it kind of for me anyway when I'm praying the rosary it's like that repeated Hail Mary is really just repeating her name over and over again the way that our kids do and drive us up a wall but <laughs> it's really a beautiful way to remind ourselves that we're children of God and that we've got this beautiful mother in heaven. Yeah, that's a beautiful thought. I never would have thought of that, but that's absolutely right. It does really bring you back to being a child of God and a child of of Mary's. That's that's beautiful, Danielle, and it's so true. Yeah. So if anybody feels you know weird about the rosary, I know some converts who admit that they struggle with it, and it's okay to struggle with it. It's a foreign thing, but um, I think that that perspective might be really helpful. That yeah, you're you are just repeating prayers, but it's actually you know a, a beautiful and natural part of this relationship that we have with our mother in heaven yeah. so and remember that when your kids are saying mom 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is your opportunity to emulate the blessed mother <laughs> and hear their petition <laughs> oh my gosh that's fast i'm gonna laugh all day about that <laughs> And you'll think of it next time they're making you crazy. I absolutely will. Oh, Danielle. <laughs> I remember early on in motherhood, like, I couldn't wait for my first, my daughter, to say mama. Like, you know, everybody, you know, every mom goes through that. Like, what's her first yeah. word going to be? And a lot of times it is mama and such a joyful thing. But then I was like, you know, a few short months later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish she would stop saying my name. Like. <laughs> This is a bit much. <laughs> and little oh, did I know how many more times I was going to hear that. So <laughs> it's part of that universal experience of motherhood that we all Absolutely. we all know. Yeah. All right, Mary Ellen, this has been a ton of fun, but we've come to the part where we need to do your lightning round, um, where we ask you 60 seconds worth of some fast, fun questions and just get to know you a little bit better and put you on the spot. Just not too hard, though. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Mary Ellen? This is going to be Mary Ellen Barrett's lightning round on the Girlfriends podcast. Mary Ellen, what do you find is the most challenging part for you of balancing work and family? Uh, let's see. I guess it would be um, covering the driving, if you want to know the answer. Yeah. No, you are not kidding. <laughs> Getting everybody where they have to be is hugely challenging for me. Absolutely. Uh, it's, yeah, I completely agree. All right. When you have a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Oh, this is embarrassing. I read the New York Post. <laughs> Nobody is trash. That is trash. It is. Trash. It, is it, it cracks me up, so I have to read it. <laughs> Very good. All right. Um, what is one stereotype that you'd like to correct about homeschooling? Oh, gosh. Um, that we are not all weird antisocial weirdos. And, and we're we not? don't necessarily hate the government. You know, we're not bunkering down. <laughs> That's a lot awesome. Of people think that. I know. I know. There are those people, but not all of us are them. And uh, what is something that we'll always find in your purse or bag? Oh, a corkscrew, Danielle. Oh. <laughs> you never know this... when wine won't appear. Oh my gosh, that's a perfect one to end on. I love that, and I'm going to know who to go to when I need to Yay! open the bottle of wine. <laughs> I need to ask you though. Can you take that in the airport? Can you take it through security? No, you can't. But oh. you know what? Whenever you travel outside of New York, you can buy liquor in like PBS and stuff, and they always have those cheapy little dollar ones. So oh, I'll buy it well, this this is the this is the advice I really need. <laughs> <laughs> How to get your drink on when you're out of town? <laughs> oh, I can find a way. <laughs> 
I love that. And I didn't get to ask you the date night one, but I always love, Mary Ellen, what you and your husband share on social media, because it seems like you're always out at some fabulous place enjoying some couple time. And for for parents of a large family, that is inspiring. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've always tried to make it a priority, even if we've had no money to spend, to just get out one night a week or one night every other week to just connect to each other and talk to each other or just you know, stare at a movie <laughs> yep. and not talk to each other, but just to have a little bit of couple time. It's so important that, you know, your family starts with your marriage and you really have to put as much effort into that as you can. Absolutely. I completely agree. And you guys set such a great example of that. Oh, thank so. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been such a pleasure connecting with you, Mary Ellen. Um, before we have to say goodbye, is there something you're working on now that you'd like to give a shout out to? What are you excited about? I'm working on an ebook that um, hopefully will be very inexpensive to download from my website about creating an atmosphere of love and learning in your home. So I'm hoping to have that done by the end of the year. Nice. Oh, I look forward to that. And that's not just for homeschoolers, right? No, it's for anybody who just wants their home to be more conducive to loving your family, creating um, interests, uh, fostering their interests and creating an atmosphere where they can easily learn. Anybody can do that. Absolutely. Oh, very inspiring. I am looking forward to that ebook. So Thank people you. can go to maryellenbarrett.com and get more information about that as we come toward the end of the year. And hopefully yes. that's going to be available to start our 2017 off right. Yes, hopefully. Pray for me that I can get it all done. <laughs> Every mom needs that prayer. So yes. thank you so much for spending some time with us, Mary Ellen. Thank you for the encouragement and support you give to moms of all different walks of life, but particularly those who struggle. And the beautiful example you set is so inspiring to me. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Dania. Always is. All right. God bless you. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Don't you just love Mary Ellen? I think she's the best and I'd love to hang out with her and have her open me a bottle of wine for the two of us to share sometime and maybe that is in our future. But anyway, listening back to that, I just heard how much we were laughing and how joyful our interaction was and that's really what I want girlfriends to be all about is us connecting here in a joyful way about the reality of life in ways that are sometimes challenging, but in ways that are truly meaningful. And we really find a lot of joy in coming together. So that's really the whole impetus for this podcast is me wanting to be able to bring women together in that way and kind of share a little bit of that joy that we can get from getting together and affirming and encouraging one another in the important but very challenging work that we do as women. And now we're out of time, but I want to be sure to mention those of you who are supporting the podcast on Patreon, that's at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, if you want to check it out. I want to thank the people who have pledged their support for Girlfriends, because it really is keeping me doing this. It's 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 helping to offset some of the financial costs of putting together the program, but it's also very much an encouragement to me when I go to do the program that if I'm feeling tight on time or something, I feel like, you know what, people are really letting me know that they value this program and they they want it to come out. So if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the program, if you appreciate what I do here at Girlfriends, if you want to see it continue and want to contribute to its production, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. There's going to be a link in the show notes. You can 
pledge as little as a dollar per episode. You can set a monthly cap so you never break your budget with your support. But this is a way that you can really encourage and support the kind of creative content that you value and that you appreciate people doing. Um, It really is an encouragement to me. So thank you to those of you who support the podcast in that way. Other ways you can support the podcast pray for me. Let's pray for each other. I pray for the people who listen to this podcast every week, and I hope that you'll pray for me too and pray for the others who are listening and inside of the personal challenges that they're having this week. Also, you can give us a shout out on social media. You can you know, tweet, you can put a link to this show on Facebook, let other people know, just word of mouth, let people know that you enjoy the podcast, or you can leave a review on iTunes. If you're not subscribed on iTunes, please go there and hit that subscribe Leaving reviews and ratings there on iTunes is very helpful as well. I appreciate all the feedback that I get from you all. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or you can leave those reviews at iTunes. All of the links you need for Patreon and other ways to support and encourage the production of this show are in the show notes at daniellebean.com. And thank you for being here for another week. I really appreciate the fact that you tune in, that you subscribe, that you encourage and support this podcast in all the ways that you do. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your generous support of the Girlfriends Podcast. But then thank you just for showing up week after week. You're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I'm doing this. And I'm so glad that we've been able to spend this time together for another week. So until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.